You might call it a field hospital in a backpack. That's the concept behind two recent Army contracts to develop what the Army calls an autonomous trauma care system for initial care of wounded soldiers in remote places. Carnegie Mellon University is one contract recipient. The other is the University of Pittsburgh Medical School. And joining me from U Pittsburgh, retired Army Colonel Dr. Ron Poropadich, director of the Center for Military Medicine Research. Dr. Poropadich, good to have you on. Great. Thanks, Tom, for having me. Now, I call it a field hospital in a backpack. You have a more precise name for it under the program. Yes. The program is called Trauma Care in a Rucksack, uh, or TRACER, T-R-A-C-I-R for short. And again, it's it, it's meant to portray the, the small form factor needed to provide this level of technology far forward in the battle space. Because you can get sutures and shots and medical supplies in a rucksack, but you're talking about something much more comprehensive? That's right. Uh, we're looking at developing a, an autonomous uh, software-driven algorithm that predicts what's wrong with a casualty on the battlefield by applying, for example, a sensorized body wrap that interrogates the patient, figures out what the patient's vitals are, and then maps that patient's vital signs in response to various interventions to a larger data set that then guides further treatment and critical care interventions. Now, if it fits in a rucksack and you're talking about some sort of body wrap and all of these sensors, is this something that would pop out of the rucksack and unfold, or is that what you envision? No, our concept is, for example, with unmanned aerial vehicles or UAVs, we would have in the sky all these UAVs in the battle space or unmanned ground vehicles with a backpack in it. Uh, casualty goes down on the battlefield. First responder, Buddy, calls that drone to land, for example. Buddy takes out the backpack, applies the sensorized body wrap. You still need human intervention to get the casualty configured, if you will, with the technology in the backpack. And then the technology determines what's wrong with the patient. And then once that's determined, uses robots to provide critical care interventions. Wow, that sounds like a lot of things to be integrated. And I imagine there's a pretty large team between you and Carnegie Mellon working on this. Yes, the uh, it's a, it's a, it's really team science as we refer to it. I serve as the program director for Tracer, and joining me on the pit side is Dr. Michael Pinsky. He's the scientific principal investigator, along with key researchers from the emergency medicine department, trauma surgery, pulmonary critical care medicine, and then on the university, uh, Carnegie Mellon University side, we've got Dr. Artur Dabrowski, who runs their machine learning lab, if you will, which is really world renowned along with uh, key robotics experts uh, from uh, the, the Carnegie Mellon University. And of the technologies that you imagine being integrated into this tracer piece, which of them exist now and just need to be put into the form factor and which are still under development? Well, the, the, the really the secret sauce to tracer is having a large data set that you can apply machine learning to to give you the predictive algorithm that tells you what's wrong with the casualty. There's no sense bringing a robot into the situation unless you know what to tell the robot to do. So what already exists is um, roughly 220,000 pre-hospital medical evacuations that take place in the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center uh, system of care, which is comprised of 43 hospitals in four states. That, that medevac capability uh, has all this data-rich uh, uh, material that we use to uh, stitch together the pre-hospital record of the casualty 
with their inpatient record and then overlay that uh, anonymized data set of all these trauma patients that are being medically evacuated in Pittsburgh. Uh, we overlay that with machine learning to come up with a predictive algorithm. And then that algorithm is going to, so that part of that algorithm already exists in prior NIH funding. So to answer your question, there is some things already developed. Now, what has yet to be developed are these other, other novel biosensors that are already FDA approved and which we use in critical care medicine now, but we don't use that technology far forward in the battlefield. So the concept is how do we leverage other DOD sources of funding to develop, if you will, this bioelectric blanket with these sensors embedded in it? That has yet to be developed. And then that further allows us to predict what's wrong with the casualty. And then Carnegie Mellon University robotics experts developed the robot to do, you know, needle interventions, for example, to decompress the lungs for a collapsed lung or put a catheter in the groin to run another catheter up the groin into the aorta to block off bleeding that's non-compressible, uh, for, from a, for example, coming from the liver or spleen injury. We're speaking with retired Army Colonel Dr. Ron Poropadich, Director of the Center for Military Medicine Research at the University of Pittsburgh. And I want to ask more about this robot. What form factor does it take? And does it also fit in the rucksack, or would it also be dropped by the drone or delivered by the unmanned ground vehicle? Yes, Tom. The, the, the robotics aspects are comprised of both hard and soft robots. So by hard robots, they would be small snakes or spiders that could crawl over the body and, and provide interventions. The other type of robot we call soft robotics, and that's essentially you know, like a life vest that you see tucked under your seat when you fly. You take out that life vest, you blow it up, and now you can you know, float in the water if need be. So imagine that, that backpack full of these um, little mini life vests that can be blown up to stabilize the neck, for example, if there's a cervical fracture. It could be used to uh, blow up and stabilize the pelvis and allow um, some placement of needles that are guided by the soft robots identifying various landmarks. So imagine that same soft um, uh, pouch, if you will, with sensors in it that tells me Here's where my trachea is located, my windpipe where I can stick a needle to provide an airway, or here is the bony makeup of my chest so I know where to put a needle into the chest in order to decompress a collapsed lung. So again, the, the robotics piece is comprised of hard robots and soft robotics, and together we believe we can come up with a technical solution that could be prototyped and again, the Army wants to field this capability by 2028. I was going to say, what is the timeline for a thing like this? Because it sounds fantastical in description, but sounds fantastically difficult in implementation. It, it's very difficult. And again, we are uh, cautiously optimistic that within the first four years of this program, uh, which is funded again at both Carnegie Mellon and University of Pittsburgh, we can come up with a prototype that will, be, uh, that will undergo field testing but again, we need to come up with a deliverable solution to the Army by 2028. But our funding runs uh, from 2019 to 2023. Got it. And just another follow-up detail on, on the sensors that uh, guide all of this. You envision sensor technology fine-grained enough that it could tell where, what part of the body might be bleeding the most or the presence of a collapsed lung 
This can all be done externally? Yes. Um, the, the sensors that I'm referring to are, are, are things that measure uh, thoracic lung water, for example. Is there fluid in the lung? Or is there small arterial vasoconstriction that can be more predictive of someone who's going to decompensate? In addition to being able to provide initial critical care interventions, we have to be mindful of the fact that the casualty is going to be put on either air or ground vehicle, and that vehicle can either be manned or unmanned. And if that's the case, um, how can um, uh, the technology predict whether this casualty will decompensate while they go from the point of injury to the next level of care? That can take anywhere from 15 minutes, which you see in Iraq and Afghanistan now, up to an hour if we're talking other theaters around the world, such as the Pacific Theater. So with that kind of concept in mind, the biosensors are, are, are being implemented to help us extend the golden hour by understanding earlier what's going on with the casualty so that we can provide earlier intervention and prevent decompensation. Retired Army Colonel Dr. Ron Poropadich is director of the Center for Military Medicine Research at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Sounds fascinating. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom, for having me on the show. Find a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature.